so Terrence is a um, former colleague of mine uh, from way back when, 1995, I think. Correct. Um, he was born in Jamaica. He's got a PhD in environmental science and engineering, worked at the EPA for the past 27 years, uh, currently lives in Las Vegas, and in general, generally speaking, he's a hydrogeologist and a goat farmer. Um, they go together? They go together. Absolutely. So uh, with that, um, let's get started. So, Terrence, tell us about the goats. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I started raising, I, I had goats when I was a kid, when I was going to school. It's a thing in Jamaica where people, we like to eat goat meat, so if you have a few in the backyard, it kind of makes um, access kind of easy. Um, so I had goats growing up as, in high school. and um, then so, I went I'm down. sorry to interrupt. When you say it makes it easy, you just go in the back. Chop some meat off, eat it, <laughs> let them walk away. Yeah, it, it, it grows back. Yeah, it's sustainable. It back. <laughs> you think he slaughtered his own goats? <laughs> it's got a name. It's but, a pet. But that's a good question. Like when you were a kid, did you slaughter goats? No, we never. No, I've never slaughtered. <coughs> I slaughtered goats once in my life, and that's a story we could go into, and that is never going to happen again. Why not? I, I was at Virginia Tech doing my doctorate, and another Jamaican buddy of mine was there, and we wanted goat meat. We were like, man, we need some goat meat. So we, um, <laughs> we found a farm, a local farm. So we went there to get some goat meat. And we paid for the goat. And the guy. Now, what did this redneck do when he saw two Jamaicans coming? <laughs> <laughs> so he wanted our money. <laughs> okay. So he handed us the goat and the machete. And we were like, looking <laughs> at each other, like, <laughs> we got to make our own goat meat. And um, so we draw straws, and I end up on the short end of the straw. And um, so we um, proceeded to um, tie this goat up and now, try to... Seriously. Was just have you seen it done before? Yes, okay. yes. I'd you kind of knew what you were doing. I kind of knew what I was doing, but the, um, never done it before. It's a whole different story. So you tr started to cut the animals. Mm. It's a little gross, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Whoa, let's go on to the next section, please. <laughs> Was there a slaughter? It's funny. Was there a slaughterhouse? No, no, no slaughterhouse. In the farmer's backyard. So, wow. um, so I thought I had done the job. So we let the goat down, and the goat got up. Oh God! <laughs> wow. His neck looking like looking. And um, anyway, long story like, short. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> it's a miracle. Long story short, we finished the job, <laughs> shared me, and I went home. Wait. And I couldn't eat any of it. You missed the step there. Hands off the it's table. It's walking around after you thought you killed it. No, it stood up. It, it wasn't it walking around. Okay, it stood up. With neck ajar. Now, what did you do then? We, we, um, we Tackled we it. sequestered it again and finished the job. <laughs> How? Tied back up on the tree and have it Oh, hanging. God. <laughs> and was it fighting at this yeah, point? Well, it was. But it, it hadn't bled out, though. No, and you're not a vegetarian now? <laughs> <laughs> But you, but you said in Jamaica you had them in the back. So we what, never, what, did, what did you do with them, or someone else was them. killing them? We usually them. sell them to a oh, butcher. Just, oh, we, never, okay. we never, we never done that. So, um, long story short is I got all this meat, went back home, and the goat was giving me nightmares. I would wake up and the goat was run, chasing me down with his head ajar. Oh, like Jim, <laughs> like Jim Brewer on Saturday Night Live doing the goat boy. <laughs> oh my God! That's when when is a goat neck not a neck when it's a jar? <laughs> I couldn't eat any of the meat. I ended up giving it all away. So that was my only... Um, Vegan for 30 years. <laughs> that was my only time trying to slaughter animals. So and that was never anything, and I'll never do that again. What happened to the goat meat then? I gave it away. 
I had other friends who really who weren't there, who wanted it like yeah, from Africa or wherever else, and they were too happy to take it off me. And you didn't tell them the story first. You just gave I told them the story later. I told them the story later. And no one was there to tell them, you don't know where that goat's been. <laughs> you don't know where the goat's been oh. through. So anyway, so going back to my, my growing up as a kid, we had goats around. Um, we never killed them, but we, we would sell them off and stuff like that. It was a little, we had a little farm. So that was my little chore. I had my own herd of goats. Um, and when I was going off to college, I sold, sold them off, some of them anyway, to get my, to buy stuff to go to college. And then um, later on, uh, when I came to the U.S. and started working and I had moved on, my brother, I had a younger brother who was still in Jamaica. And, um, you know, he wanted something to do. He wasn't doing very well. So I was like, what do you want to do? And he was like, I want to raise goats. So that's how I got back into it, investing in my brother. Long story short, it didn't work out so well. <laughs> and um, he took off, went to England, went back to England where he was born and um, left me with a bunch of goats. Wow. Can you get milk from the goats? Also? Yes, 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 yes. You can. Um, there are two types of goats. They're the ones that you raise for meat. And they're called meat goats, obviously. And um, then the, the, the dairy goats that you raise for milk. I thought there was two types, like a male and a female. <laughs> <laughs> That's one taxonomical no, classification. They're, they're actually all male. You can't <laughs> get milk from all of them. That's, believe it or not, <laughs> the males give milk sometimes. Yes. And, <laughs> right? And yes. Interesting fact, human males can do that as well. Yes, yes. Especially the dairy, the dairy, the dairy breeds. The males do give milk, not a lot, but they do give milk sometimes. So be careful. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that from personal about experience, milk but I am saying that from one of those strange <laughs> facts you remember that you, you know, hey, uh, there you go. Yeah. Discovery Channel or yeah. something. So it's never binary, zero, one, you know, there's a little bit of gray area there. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's how I ended up raising goats. And, um, and no, then I, I took it. I'm sorry. To what, what did the goats teach you about hydrogeology? How, how did you... Well, they teach me a lot about um, not hydrogeology per se, but maybe about how to manage waste. So in the environmental <laughs> space, because they do poop a lot, they eat a lot, they poop a lot, and they pee a lot. Fertilizer? Fertilizer, yeah. So that was like a, a spinoff of the business where you would um, generate you know, manure and you were, you know, people would come and bite, you know, vegetable farmers, marijuana farmers in particular. It's really good for um, in Jamaica. So That's some good yeah, That's some good yeah, <laughs> is some good. How many goats do you have? At one point, I had up to four hundred. I don't have oh, any now. Four hundred. Had over, yeah, had like four hundred, wow. and I um, would import animals from the. I didn't import them, but there are people who would import animals from the U.S. So we had like special pedigree animals, and um, those you could. So I was m mainly selling breed stock. So are you doing so, this on a large residential area? Well, it's backyard. Well, it's in his neighbor's backyard, actually. <laughs> well, we had a farm. My, oh, okay. You know, my family had a farm of about eight acres. Oh, okay. And, um, and all around the area was like farms. There were like 15-acre lots, and my grandfather had a 15-acre lot. But um, we, we got rid of half of it, roughly half of it. And um, so, but eventually... <clears throat> Everything, you know, it became a residential area. So all the people, everybody has sold their lots, just like here, and lotted, lotted them up. And we kept ours. So we were the only farm there. So everybody wanted to, what is this goat farm doing? You move beside a goat farm. We didn't move beside you. We were, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to shut you down. We're going to the health department. I'm like, 
no, you're not going to shut us down. You got it. And the health department came, tried to chase us out. Like, Do, Does Jamaica have like a, a right to farm law similar to the states? I, I'm not sure how the law is good. I don't, I don't know what that is. They don't have But if, I'm, if, I'm a, if you're a farm and you're existing there, they can't throw you out. Nice. You know, you got like right to farm law. They got to, yeah. So your grandfather didn't, so to speak. Isn't it funny how Ray lured you in here thinking about you're talking about 3D hydrogen <laughs> modeling, mod flow, container transport, talk. dilution, dispersion. We're talking about goat no, talking no. about goats. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No so, surprise. No surprise. <laughs> so, yeah. So I did that. And that was a really, it's a passion of mine, actually. So, but it's hard to do that stuff in, you know, when you're not there. You know, the guys take you for a ride. They know you come there for twice a year and you kick up a storm and you work every day. Every, oh, wait, hold hour. on. This farm was in Jamaica? Yes. Oh, I thought it was in Las Vegas with no, you. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. That yeah, makes the more goats sense. stripped also. In fact, they were, they were running around naked the whole time. Yeah, just, I hit the strip. That's okay. It's Vegas. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So, so the guys were kind of taking me for a ride. And um, so eventually I went down there this December. I, I'd given them a lot of opportunities, threatened them to close it down. And I threatened them so many times, so they think it probably never going to happen. Is this right? family or employees at this point? Employees. Employees. My brother was gone. My dad had gotten old. He, had, he, was around, he ran the farm for a while. And um, so his farm, but mine was separate, but kind of the same. You know, how that family thing, you know, it wasn't clear, clear distinction. Um, so I tr threatened to close it down a lot, number of times and I never did. So they thought it would never happen. So I went down there this December and I was like, enough is enough. Um, that's it. So I sold them out, sold them out. Do you then think, you, do you, think you can run that kind of farm here in the U S yes, you could. Oh yeah. It's very, as a matter of fact, it's all, I mean, I was in Alabama last weekend where it's a big deal. I mean, a goat can sell for $50,000. You are a brave man. And you had 400. That's like No, 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 no. Don't do the math like that. It's like a goat. <laughs> <laughs> like a goat, not my goats. <laughs> um, but I've seen goats. I bought a goat for $5,000. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I've seen goats, other people buy goats for like seven, eight thousand. I've, I've no, I know of goats sold for like 30, 20, 40. What makes a $30,000 goat different it's than pedigree. 500? It's pedigree. It's, it's Want some goat contest? <laughs> yes, that too. Right. Yeah, yeah, you do have goat contest. Best in show. Best in show. And um, his, his bloodline, you know, it's all, it's all breeding and pedigree and what is considered valuable economically. Like, for example, if a... Uh, uh, you know, animals come from a line, a milk line that is that has the record, or you know, you know, four, five, six, top ten milkers this year in the U.S. Then their offspring will will, will go for at a premium. You know, um, with meat goats, it's more like growth rate, that kind of stuff. Um, weight at weaning, weight at one year, that kind of thing. The one that's the fastest converter of feed to meat you know, we'll, we'll get an advantage. And then there are ways to, to look at the animal's size, you know, it's, it's width, it's three dimensions, you know, could, the more meat, the longer, you know, box with height, you know, um, length. So the longer the animal, the wider the animal, the deeper the animal. Who would be the most expensive goat in his room? <laughs> Meat goat? Well, let's 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 let <laughs> Milking goat, obviously. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> All right. 
So it does make you wonder though who is the goat among goats? Who is the who is the, the who is the greatest of all time <laughs> yeah. in this group? Um, let me see. I mean, yeah. depending on the goat, thirty-two thousand bucks is pretty cheap. I think uh, it costs you a little more to get Tom out of retirement. <laughs> for that. Uh, all right, a, a question. So where where are you in your goat farming slash hydrogeological career, and what's next? Okay, well, I'm still helping out. I, it's a passion of mine. The goat thing is a passion of mine. So I still help out in the country. I help other, work with other farmers. And I've always done this. Part of what I did when I was raising animals would, would you know, I'd see a young kid trying to start. And I would give him some, give him an animal. Like he's, he'd, have, he'd have some like local stock and he wants to upgrade it. And I would give him stock. I'd give to schools. Um, and, um, that, and I sold most of them, I hope. <laughs> um, but, um, so I'm still helping out in that realm and help farmers with organizing, getting stock from here to the U S helping with the logistics, that kind of deal. Um, as far as career, I still work as a environmental scientist with EPA. I've been there, you know, 20 plus years and, um, that's, I've been having fun with that. Yeah. How many uh, weeks per year are you in Jamaica versus uh, the States? Well, of late, not a lot. And that's part of why it ran down because then COVID, I didn't go there for like, you know, two years mm -hmm. during COVID, you know, and I went there and my stock was like 20% of what I left it before COVID. Any reason why you didn't want to travel just just because of COVID? The, yeah, there was just too much hassle to travel um, and because of COVID itself. Um, places were shut down, you know, airports were shut down. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't really, it, it wasn't logic. It wasn't, it wasn't feasible almost. What Why did you lose 80% yeah, of your stock? No, 20%. I, I, you no, 80%. Lost, oh, you were down, down to 20%. I, down to 20%. What? I, I still don't get a question for that. I still, I still don't have an answer for that. They just but, disappeared or they supposedly died? Well, sold. some some might have died. Some might have <laughs> sold. machete? Sold. Some might have sold. Yeah, yeah. All of the above, you know, whatever you can think. So I, um... While I was there, I, uh, someone, someone was selling out a herd and I bought it, that herd to build my stock back up. And I gave them a chance. I said, when I'm, when I'm back, I was hoping to go back the middle of last year. It didn't work out. My passport expired up here and it took a while to get, everything was back, backlogged. So by the time I went down, there was a year later and it hadn't improved. So I just made a decision to um, stop taking, using a dollar to chase 10 cents. Got it. So, um... Back to Adam's question, right? So goats and hydrogeology, right? How, how is the hydrogeology field for you? What are you, what are you up to? It's pretty good. I work as a scientist for the EPA, and um, I do. I work in a lot of troubleshooting of sites. So a site, a site, site is I like clean up contamination. So when stuff is not going good, uh, that's when they usually call me in. And this is groundwater groundwater contamination. groundwater contamination. I, I work mainly with petroleum products, you know, like light light call it light non-aqueous phase liquids that floats in water and i also work with yes. with the, yes and i work with the dense non-aqueous fluid the ones like clonated solvents that sink to the bottom of the um aquifer the water, so for fr from a layman's perspective if you have an oil tank in your yard for your house and it leaked into the ground and got into the soil or the water below your house you're just doing that on a big scale. Right? I do not on a huge scale. Like Oil refineries, refineries scale, all that kind of stuff, right? Or yes, yes. I wouldn't even do a gas station. It would be like oil refinery, oil terminals, um, usually, or oil pipeline leak. Right. You know, it could put a hundred thousand gallons, a million gallons in the ground, that kind of deal. And do you find your academic background in that area helps you with your 
uh, farming? Yeah, that's the thing about knowledge. <laughs> knowledge is leverageable, you know, so um, it doesn't matter what area you have your knowledge in. There is always uh, the whole thought process. Um, a lot of it you can always leverage in whatever space that you find yourself. Yeah. When that uh, well uh, blew in the Gulf of Mexico uh, probably 10 years ago, right, right. Um, what were you thinking? Holy sh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, can I say that? Is it fun? <laughs> no, <laughs> dude, you're wrecking our podcast. <laughs> yeah, so, but I didn't work on that one. Um, I had the opportunity to, but most of my um, I work in the subsurface, so like that was an on on water spell. So, like, I worked on, the, there was a big one in um, Kalamazoo, the Kalamazoo spill. That was around the same time or shortly around. I was involved a couple million gallons. Um, but I had the opportunity to go there, but I didn't think my, it was right for my skill set. And I didn't want to, um, I, I didn't think I could bring value to it. So, so what do you think about fossil fuels in general? I mean, granted, they're part of your livelihood, but I, cleaning up the messes that they've caused absolutely. is part of your livelihood. Uh, absolutely. Are you trying to work yourself out of a job? <laughs> yes. Do I, the right I, thing? Right, right. I, I, um, yeah, it's a job, and, um, and I'm, I, I, it, it, this is where we're at. I'm not sure. I don't think, is it a good thing? No, it's not. I don't think, I think, but, you know, that's, how, that's the society we live in. It's, um, it's driven by profit. The whole profit motive has gotten us here. Um, but he's not working himself out of a job. He's just cleaning up the mess that it's creating, right? Right. Yeah. I'm not in the, in the processing or refining of oil or getting it out of the ground. It's just like there's enough um, there's enough contamination around. Because once it gets into, I'm okay, I'm working on spills. I work on some sites that are 100 years old, and the gasoline, the oil comes out of the ground like it's fresh. So it depends on the condition under which it's which it's in in the ground. It doesn't degrade much at all. Sometimes, if it's like well aerated, it may be um, it, it will degrade. But if it's like in a, cons- a situation where it's confined, um, like confined groundwater, you have can, can have confined oil, it could stay there and be really fresh when it get out of ground. So there are spills that's been like I'm working, like I said, I'm working on hundred year spills. I'm working on one year old spills. So when you get a spill, what do you do with it? Well, bounty. It, it's the, <laughs> the quicker, quicker. Yeah, yeah. I, I I work a lot with attorneys, and the answer is always it depends. To to, to that. To, to so, those if places. you find a spill and there's fresh oil, do they try to reuse it? Yeah, you try to um, you try to get it out of the ground, and then you try to use. You might send it to a recycler, and um, I'm not usually involved in that part of it. The, I'm usually the big involved. Deal. In, correct me if I'm wrong, but the big deal is not so much if it's on the surface, if it's on soils, but if it makes it to groundwater. In my case, if it makes it, well, once it's in the subsurface, because it may not make it to groundwater, but once it gets into the subsurface, it could partition to the vapor, vapor phase, the soil gas. And that could, if you have the pathway, it could get into your basement, for example, and you could be breathing that stuff. It could get in your sumps and get up into your, um, into your house. So, yes, if it gets into the groundwater... That's one because it impacts the groundwater you drink. But if it's if it's in the subsurface any at all, it's a threat. Even if it um, rains, it's going to get yes, yes, travel somewhere. Be, right? Or you could have explosive vapors building up in a in a basement. That could um, I've seen that. You know, um, I've seen a house where you could light a match and 
it would support a flame in the basement wow. because the vapors were coming through, um, through, through, through the sidewalls. Wow. Yeah. So Terrence, yeah. for a residential homeowner, if they have a well on their property, but it's not for potable water, it's just say for irrigation, watering their lawn, maybe they have a garden. If they have little kids running around on their lawn and they have a garden on their property, do you feel that it's a worthwhile endeavor to have their well water checked? Yes, know? yes, it is. It is always a worthwhile endeavor because even if you put that water in your pool, that's contaminated and you're taking a, you know, swimming in it every day, it's a low dosage and you could get an acute, build up an acute response. You have the vapors that are transferring from the water to if you, you know, you put it on your, um, your, your vegetables, they're going to uptake some of that stuff. Um, so yes, it's always a good idea. Even if you're not drinking the water, you can still be exposed um, yeah, you know, when the kids come out of the pool soaked in like a black ink. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good octopus, it's a telltale probably, sign. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that could tip there. you off. <laughs> so so, so here's a good story, right? So this is years ago when I was working with Terrence, actually. And um, I get a call from my cousin who has a small well in their yard that they only use for irrigation, just like you said, Ed. And they said, hey, it smells or something not right about this. Can you, you know, can you come check it? You work for the EPA. Can you come check it out, right? And um, so I go there and we're testing and we're sampling water and trying to figure it out and couldn't figure it out, right? So finally, I'm like, can we just open the well and take a look? And it was this old well that, you know, the top, the lid on it was a concrete slab, five foot in diameter that weighed 200 pounds. And we needed six well, guys like to move hand it. Dug well, hand like dug, a well. Hand dug well, right? that my uncle had cleaned out because they had stopped using it when he was a kid and they'd filled it with garbage and stuff because it was a big hole in the ground. And then he dug it all out, cleaned it out, used it for irrigation. So we had like five or six guys over there. We pushed the lid off the well and there's like seven dead muskrats or rats say, or something. I, I, and they, I know they had, exactly. They had crawled in there under, and in the winter because it's warm, you get ground, you know, warmth and they just fell in and drowned, right? So we're thinking, you know, groundwater contamination, what is this, blah, 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 dead rats. <laughs> right, so you never know, right? Yeah. But you can get to the source; it was right. easy, right? right. But right. Right. you know, if the yeah. if the four neighbors didn't show up and be like, "Hey, we can help you move that thing," we would have never been able right. to open it and You're figure it out. You couldn't push a two hundred pound slab. <laughs> I don't know how much it was, but when it's like a four inch thick, five foot <laughs> no. diameter, no. they just don't move, right? No. They're just like a right. yeah. So you never know what you're going to find, right? Interrogate, so yeah, so yeah. you got to so, interrogate and do some. Um... <clears throat> I don't know if there's a question, but. With regards to cleaning up spills and oil on the surface, there are still places in this country where oil is issuing to the surface of the ground freely, naturally, not due to any type of spill. Not to name any places in particular, but you know, deep in the canyons of the San Juan on the third side canyon down from Mexican Hat, but um, <laughs> you can see it. Yes. yes. Um, what is that? Good, bad. I yeah. mean, well, it's some of that is nature, right? I mean, the stuff is, um, or it could be, um, if if is it is it an oil producing area? Because yeah, they cap the wells. It's, it's known for that. Okay, this, this particular area is so incredibly inaccessible that I don't think it's profitable to even and there were, get equipment into okay, there. Okay, so there was the land is actually somewhat preserved. Right. Right. So what's the question? I don't know. I, I don't really have a question. He was like, is, is it good or bad? Um, I, it's, 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 you know, some of that stuff is, is natural. You have natural seeps of oil. Um, so that's just nature. So it is what it is. Um, but um, if, it's, if it's crude oil, yes, it's, it's, um, it has its, it can, it's dangerous too, but not as bad as the refined product. 
But if you're backpacking there and you get caught in a, in a winter storm, you can just light it and have a fire could, just yes. like that. So it could be good. Right? Yeah. could be good. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So can you light, you can't ahead. light crude oil. I have no idea. Yes. Out of the ground, can you? Could I? Well, if you get, if I'm not sure what the ignition point is, but once you get it up there, it will burn. Oh, okay, you may need to get it hotter than a match will burn. Probably, probably. Okay, yeah. so you got to bring a can of, you know, map gas, a little torch, a little some welding equipment, maybe. And fire. I don't think anyone's carrying that when they're hiking. <laughs> no, but if you know where you're headed and feel like doing an experiment. Yeah. It may not find you again. <laughs> All right, so tell us about, like, Give us a project you worked on that's off the charts, like unbelievable timeline, numbers, volumes, whatever it is, something that, you know. I, yeah, one of the most exciting projects I worked on was um, there was an oil spill. There, there are quite a number, but um, there's some on the litigation front, and then there's some on the actual engineering science front. The one on the engineering science front was they had a spill at, uh, at the aviation at the terminal at the Honolulu airport. Um, that's a, it supplies the Honolulu airport. So the first thing you said was, son of a bitch, I got to go to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Life like, is tough. Tough yeah. assignment, somebody got to go. <laughs> yeah. so you took one for the team. I, I took one for the team. Flying on and um, <laughs> I got a call. It was like a Friday evening like this, and I got a call, and they were like, when can you get on the plane? I'm like, tomorrow morning. <laughs> and actually, I was in Edison. I was working in New Jersey, and I was in Edison on assignment. And I got the call, and I, I flew out there the next day, and um, it was like a hundred thousand gallons. They, they estimated that in the ground, and it's 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 they they they're secondary, you know, because you know these oil terminals they have secondary containment around the tanks, and it's usually above ground. In this case, the secondary containment was below ground. It was a slurry wall that was quote unquote keyed into clay. <coughs> at about, say, four, four, four foot depth. And um, the engineer for, for, the, for, for, the, for the, um, the, the consulting engineer for the company was like, hey, we have a release here, and the, the, um, the water is like 100 feet away, but we have this slurry wall, and they had a trench in the ground, and he took up a piece of clay, and it was like, it's a fat clay, and nothing can get through this. And I'm like, that may be true, but why don't you prove that to me? Put some holes down gradient of your facility, outside of your slurry wall, and if you um, if it comes up clean, then I'm out of here. Right. And um, I almost messed up because there were some garbage close to the wall from the um, from the the um, cleanup. No, no, no. From they had this um, what do you call it now? The um, tsunami a couple of years ago in the Philippines that brought a lot of like boats and stuff. So you couldn't get to within 30 feet of the slurry wall. It actually had a, a wall and a slurry wall. So I was like, right and say, guys, hey. So wait, where was the spill reported? In, in the ocean? And they were just... No, they had a... If you have a spill on land, you have to report to the authorities. Right. If you want so to do... Where your was the spill that got reported? It was, it was on the, uh, the terminal itself. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> don't, touch, don't touch the table. <laughs> it was at the terminal itself. And the ocean was like, um, say, 100 feet or so away. So you had a race against them if it got out right. just to prevent it from getting Okay, to and so you're thinking, hey, the spill is one thing, but you still may be leaking through this wall too. One thing I know about natural materials, they're heterogeneous. So the fact that you showed me a piece of clay that looks, that looks homogeneous means nothing to me. 
and you're right next to the ocean where there's going to be a lot of, you know, it's going to be coral, coralline environment. So the chance for heterogeneity is pretty high. And the clay, even if it's homogeneous, it could be fractured. Yeah. You know, so um, prove to me, prove your, prove your concept, prove your theory, prove your conceptual model is right. So um, he put in a couple of holes that were like 30 feet away from the, um, from the, from the facility because of the garbage. And they came up clean, right? And uh, we were walking down there. We were using like air knife, you know, to, to, to that vacuum to su super suckers. How, just, how, how deep? What size? It was. Those? They were like um, about eight inches in, in diameter, using those vacuum super suckers to suck, okay. suck it out. And it was about two feet to, to water because they're right next to the ocean. And um, by the time we could walk down there, and the guy was, they were all happy. They didn't find anything. By the time we got down there, they put in the third hole, and it had about this is about it, like an eight inch hole, and it had like eight inches of oil already in it. Wow. wow. And um, I locked out because if that third hole had come up clean, that was the last hole, I would have gone on the plane and then a few days later we'd have a breakthrough. Right. And then I wouldn't look so good. And um, so I was like, hey guys, move the garbage and get as close as you can to the, um, to the, to the, to the, um, to, the, to, to, to your slurry wall. And every hole had like oil, like, had like a foot or more of oil in it. So that's when we had work. They were like, okay, we give up. It's out. Um, we had a race against time now to prevent it from breaking through. And um, yeah, we work hard at it and, and nothing got into the river. So how did it initially seep out? What was the, was it an accident? Some, mm -hmm. How did it? And maybe you could ex also explain to uh, others what a slurry wall is. Okay. <laughs> that's, yes. A slurry wall is an impermeable layer that you, um, like, you usually, it's usually made of like your know, clays. So like natural materials are permeable, so fluid can flow through it. But if you put enough fine material in it, like clays, in a wall, it was about a six inch thick wall and the, the permit around the facility was about four miles. So it went about four miles around the facility Ooh. down to a depth. So it was poured in like, like um, liquid as, as um, you know, they liquefy the, 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 um, the, the clay and pour it in there. And it's so that's like, why you call it a slurry wall. They make a slurry out of the clay. Sl and absolutely. It, so you're pouring it like concrete. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And then it's, it sets up over time. Um, so... So then how did the, how did the spill happen? How did the, the first spill place? happen okay. initially? So the, this facility has a capacity of like 50-something gallons of oil, 50-something gallons of oil. Huge tanks, 6 million gallon tanks, 50 feet tall, maybe 50 inches in that diameter. So refinery or processing no, it's or a, transfer it's a, station? No, it's a, it's, a, it's a terminal. So they supply, okay. so the, the, all the jet fuel for the, and I don't know if you've been to Honolulu, that airport is very busy. So they use probably maybe a million of gallons of jet fuel a day to refuel the, the airlines, the, the flights. So it's, it's a storage facility and then it, it um, shipped it by pipe, it's piped to the, um, to the, to the airport. Uh, and trucks, probably. I'm not sure, but maybe pipes, and then trucks take it to the um, to the plane. But they had a leak in one of the tanks, one of the six million gallon tanks. And imagine you have a that kind of head, fifty foot of head driving that oil. But the thing about pressure tanks, for non engineers, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about these tanks is that even though you could say it's a six million, with, with um, temperature changes, just the um, the change in the volume alone. So you might say, okay, I I, I lost. 10,000 gallons today, but you cannot tell if that is 
Uh, when you do your recon, it, that just could be changes due to um, temperature uh, expansion and contraction in the size of your tank. So even though they were losing oil, it was hard for them to, it's, it's not so hard even when you do your reconciliation with volume in, volume out. If it's within a certain threshold, you just say, okay, that could be um, error, you know, um, measurement error. So eventually um, they suspected that it was, um, that they were having a leak. And then after maybe like about a month, they could ver they verify that they were having a leak. All right, so so th this was not a catastrophic leak. This was, hey, we notice our numbers are getting a little weird over time. Right. Maybe we have a leak that's been going on for s unknown right. amount of time. Okay. Right. Gotcha. For like a month or so. Yeah. Okay. All right. And um, so that's when they um, they reported it. But the slurry wall was supposed to be able to the f their design, their engineering system was able to withst to withstand. That's why. Uh, like a release of like six million gallons, and you had a hundred thousand gallons that got out. Wow! So I would. <laughs> I did, wouldn't want did you find the breach in the slurry wall? No, no, because um, it, the breach was never in the slurry wall. It was in the clay that the slurry wall was was keyed into. It was heterogeneous. Okay, they didn't. So they, if they would have went deeper, you could. You, they might have been okay. It was a bad idea to begin with. Yeah. You were never going to be okay, and I thought it was a bad idea to begin with. Is it clay because it was cheap? Because you're not, you're keen into natural materials. It's always <laughs> it's always I need to tie my hands next time um, because I gesticulate a lot. Um, but um, it's always, in my opinion, and you read this a lot in the literature that you try to key things into um, heterogeneous into clays and stuff like that. It's always been a bad idea from my experience. So just because the clay natural materials. Heterogeneous material is engineered. That's Natural materials are, are not interesting structurally. It's fine. That that's how you do building foundations. Yeah. But when you're talking about fluids. mobile fluids, when you talk about fluids, I, I didn't even know no trust. that was the I, I, idea. So these were what was the density of what they were storing? Were these like floaters? It's floaters. But that's the thing about it. Um, oil floats in that bottle that you have in front of you, if you put some oil in it, it floats on it. But if you put some oil in, because the, the, the oil has weight. So if it had somewhere to go, it would have pushed some of that water out. Right. We're in, in the subsurface, right. it has because of that. Yeah, and you've also got capillary uh, right. action. That's right, 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 yeah. right. So, so in principle, say if your clay layer is, say, at three feet, and um, your oil just, just say you had four feet of oil going there, it's going to displace the three feet of water that's there if it can push it somewhere else, right? So now you have oil sitting against the bottom of your, um, against the conf of, against your, um, your impermeable layer. So when was this designed originally? It was like about 2006, and I think the spill was like sometimes 2000. So, so 2006 is that's pretty recent. recent. Yes, design yes, yes. and and this uh, and this is a big engineering firm. The, I mean, a four million, a four mile long um, impermeable. These engineers yeah, were. They put the, a report. I was pretty good. One of the big firms. <laughs> it's one of the big you, firms. We would know the name. Yeah, you don't have to say one, it. one of the big firms. Um, <laughs> and presumably permitted by Hawaii's uh, equivalent permitted. of the DEP yes. or something. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I'm not sure how that's settled, but I. I'm of the opinion that it didn't work out so well for that. <laughs> because if you give the, the assurance that this is good for the release of six million gallon, and you say your permeability of your, it doesn't matter how small your permeability of retaining wall is, if this, the material is keyed into, is, is not as, it has, has um, imperfections, and natural materials always have imperfections, and some scale, that's the thing, you, they sample that at a certain scale. And um, into the into the natural material, and what they found was heterogeneous. 
But if you're, was homogeneous, but if your heterogeneity is on a scale that's finer than your sampling space, you may not see it. I have a question for you, Terrence. A couple of years ago, I was reading an article about the best states to retire in, and Nevada was listed in the top two. And I went there for the first time last year, and I really liked it. How do you feel the real estate market is? And if someone's looking to either get investment property there or thinking of relocating for retirement, what, do you, what are your thoughts from your the, experience living in Nevada? The real estate market is good from the perspective that it's not as expensive as, as everywhere else. Any of, every other city, probably, every other major city. That's because it's come down, right? It, it had it, its it kind of never, boom and it bust. It was never, yeah, it has its boom and bust, but it was never, it never boomed like, the, like it did here. Mm-hmm. How long you know, have you lived there? I've lived there 20 years. Do you, I'm assuming since you're there still, you like it? No. <laughs> yeah, I like that. So what are some of the downsides? It's too hot You are going to be so corrupted yeah. if, if you go to Vegas. Well, You're like the shining soul of, of, well, of but this no, group. Nevada, but I really liked Nevada. it. He, he said, said Nevada. Nevada. No, but we Did went to Vegas, but I loved it because... Right, what do you think? If, if you could go to Reno? No, because things... There's nothing else outside of Nevada. <laughs> there are so many... Las Vegas, there's nothing else. There's so many things to do there. And if you don't have an issue with a lot of the pitfalls that they offer down there. It's great. Red you know, there were so many things to do. I love the canyons. It was totally different than hiking around here in the East Coast. I love the fact that because I happen to be a guy that perspires a lot, <laughs> that there was low humidity. I wasn't all soggy. Amen, brother. <laughs> I wasn't a soggy guy like I normally am. So I thought it was great. It was a totally different experience. And I just wanted to see how you felt yeah, about I, it. Being I, that you, you know, I think it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, you know, I mean, visiting there is one thing. And I visited there before and a couple of occasions before I lived there. But uh, you know, you know, it just doesn't suit my personality. So, what, um, are you planning on moving out of there at some point? Yes, once I retire, I'm out of there. How many well, this years? is all about retirement and, and setting yourselves up. So, when is that? Two years. Yeah, two years. Uh, yeah, somewhere yeah. there, thereabouts. Uh, yeah. And is there any issue? Someone had told me because we're thinking about investment property. Someone had mentioned to me, oh, if you think about an investment property there, that might have an issue with water long term. Water, yeah, water is a big problem in Vegas because um, without. The Hoover Dam, Vegas wouldn't be possible. You know, you got to have water. So that's and the Lake Mead that, cre- that it creates behind there. And the capacity of Lake Mead, I would just guess off the top of my head, it is probably 40% or so of capacity, design capacity, and it's falling. So, uh-huh. um, and then, then it, um, so you get two things from the lake you get the hydroelectricity, and then you get the, um, the water for, for residential use. And, um, I think if it drops, I don't know if it's like another 40 feet or so, it's I, like a dead pool. I think pool. it's much less than 40% it's, of capacity. Okay. And, and it's just one of, I believe, seven major dams on the Colorado River, which right. is why it hasn't made it to the ocean right. you know, really in our right. lifetime. So right. you can right. move there and, and add to the problem. Oh! <laughs> or, or, you can, or you can move there and play golf and make it even worse. Make it even worse, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, are required to, to reuse a lot of water. Most of the your golf course water yeah. is is reused on its second or, or third pass. Um, but Vegas, as we know it now, wouldn't be possible. Obviously, without the Colorado River, wouldn't even be possible without the reuse that is being done. So, is there long term solutions for those folks that are out there? Yeah, reduction in population. It's just not sustainable. Not sustainable. Just not sustainable. And um, pictures of Lake Mead are Yeah. And they're yeah. and they're building more houses. It's not. It's again. It's a profit motive. It's not rational. It's not science. The science is clear. Um, and uh, you know the whole idea of you know when you design these systems, you look at historical data and uh, to, to design the system, thinking that history is going to repeat itself. 
as we find finding out, history doesn't always repeat itself. Not with the climate, anyway. It's not repeating itself. In addition to that, like this was the Colorado River Compact in 1921 was based on some particularly wet years. So not only was it 100 years ago, but it was wet for then. How do you know this date? Skewed data. He knows all dates. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, so, so real quick, not to not to change the subject, but sort of make it more specific to you. Um, behind you, there's the control room. And he said ten minutes. So we have, I think, in ten seconds, eight minutes. <laughs> but the foundation of this initially was like retirement, economics, uh, doing st doing stuff so that <laughs> so that you could either retire early or give people advice on the correct things to do with money. Obviously, you said that you. You said you're retiring, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything specific that you did to retire at the age you're doing? Is there anything, any type of knowledge for to that subject that you uh, may want other people to know? First thing, I'm not as young as I look. <laughs> for, for folks who are listening and can't see TJ, um, he's 95. You, you, you finally have a, a hint of being maybe 40 because I, I just saw a little bit of gray on top. But uh, <laughs> you look pretty young to me. <laughs> 60 plus. 60 plus, oh. get out of here. <laughs> you look great, man. Thanks. What else Thanks. you doing right, man? I go to the gym every now, other day. I try you know why I married Jennifer. I've always been an avid <laughs> gym guy. We, that's how we, we on one, one of the levels we connected was going to the gym back in the day. And um, yeah, Ray taught me a lot. of Speaking about retirement, Ray taught me a lot about, um, taught me about money, actually. Because um, when I started working, I remember we used to hang out and he was like in his early 20s and I was probably early 30s. And um, I was like, and we would talk about stuff and he was like, I have like, I think it was like 20 something thousand dollars in his, in, in his um, investment. And, and that was, a, I was like, holy cow, oh, you're younger than me. <laughs> and Terrence was making double my salary. I was making, yeah. <laughs> I, was making, I, I was like, how does this work out? What, what's going what, what are you doing but I, I'm a humble guy so I was like hey teach me tell me what you're doing and he started bringing me money magazines it's after you know and I would read them and I would start it we started um, start buying um, mutual funds and stuff like that and then we started um, dabbling in the stock market and stuff like that so, you bought a couple books on some weird website one time remember that yes <laughs> yeah. Amazon and, and to yes, Terrence's yes, credit Amazon <laughs> yeah. you, I, I still remember you picked Qualcomm in 1996 Qualcomm my friend yes yes, yes 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 <laughs> and um, so yeah so then we started so I get up to I get to a level where I could it was an even exchange you know so um so yeah, so with some humility, he's the one who got me here in that, and I've saved that you saw. I've, I'm prepared just to for retirement. What does yeah. it look like? Describe your retirement in a couple of sentences. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, over the next two years, I'll probably try and figure it out. What I, I do enjoy my job, though. I do enjoy working. So I don't uh, retire. Yeah. So there's no. Are you can enjoy and still not want to do it. I still want to do it. How about after? So, like, when you retire, are you going to, like, literally retire, or do you have a secondary plan? Goats. It's all about the goats. It's going to, yeah, I'll probably do something Where with the goats. Where are you going to move to? I'd probably lick, move back to the East Coast. I'd buy a property in the East Coast, and then have Because it's also less expensive here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not not that Vegas. No, Vegas is it's way more expensive here than Vegas. I thought, yeah, you've been tongue-in-cheek and out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it depends on where you're moving from the West Coast. You know, like California is way more expensive than the East Coast. But um, I would get a property out here and also get a property in Jamaica and move between both of them, you know? So there are things that, I, like, like I said, knowledge is leverageable. I don't have to be in the environmental space, although there are opportunities there. There are 
there are a couple there's one company that I worked in on that same spell in um Honolulu, the same the same geologist who showed me that fat piece of clay. He's a principal, one of their he's a principal at um A AECOM. And uh, a not small AECOM, engineering uh, company. Um ERM. He's a principal at ERM. I work, yeah. And um you know, he's offered me a job. He said, whenever you leave the EPA, just let me know. So there are those opportunities out there. Um, I've done a lot. So he's of not going to retire. So will you, you Nothing wrong consider with that. that? Yeah. Nothing well, wrong with retire like because it. it's more lucrative or why not just keep No, it, was not, it, was, it would not be for, for money. But you, if you work for EPA, that's a government job. Correct? Yes. So yes. you have a retirement package. I have a retirement plan. And we also have uh, a thrift savings, which is like a 401k. And they contribute up to 5% of the So there's no pension? We have pension. We have a pension. Are you fully vested of, into your? Yes. Oh, yes. You, you could leave now. I could leave now. Yes. I could leave now. And I also have a thrift saving plan that I put money into and they put like 5% matching into that in addition to that. That's nice. And I'm, I qualify for social security as well. So. Nice. You heard um, it. Well, Tiger King. Plus. Goat right. King right here, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's our plan right here. So that's Just the good. goat. <laughs> he is the goat, right? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So, um, Terrence, yes. this is an opportunistic uh, time for you to be in town and for us to be recording tonight. So we really appreciate you coming. Um, I appreciate it. I, yeah. And uh, I don't know if we're going to get, you know, very many more goat farming, hydrogeologist, <laughs> PhD investors I'm, on this show. Actually, I canceled the three that we have. <laughs> this was very good. If, if you have nightmares about macheting a goat tonight. <laughs> if you're back in town and we do this on a Sunday, usually after this, you go downstairs, we have food and there's a lot of activity. Uh, so awesome. Yeah. Well, get yeah. a goat. And we'll yeah, get a goat. Some goat. I just come hang out. Just we, to, we could do it. Yeah, yeah. Without, 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 I come and hang out for the food and the alcohol. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say anything about alcohol. Yes, we did. I, I see. I see. I took a look. I took a look. I see, I see what's yeah. going on there. I'm observant. Not too yeah. much. Otherwise, you hit the slurry wall. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Attic Static Podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe and feel free to leave a comment below. Or come check us out at our website at atticstaticpod.com. And stay tuned for new episodes out every Monday.